three weeks ago when uh, I launched us into the year 2022, I started off with a question. I asked, will this finally be the year? Will this finally be the year that we get ourselves out of the pandemic where there's no more mask wearing or physical distancing or contact tracing or rapid testing? Will this finally be the year that we get rid of the lockdowns and the protocols and the restrictions? Will this finally be the year where we get to gather in larger groups with family and friends or we get to go on that chronically postponed vacation? And I imagined when I asked that question that there was kind of a collective sigh across all of our locations, whether we kind of whispered it to ourselves or actually said it out loud. In response to that question, will this be the year? I'm sure there's many of us who said, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. We hope a lot, don't we? You know, we hope that we get good grades and we hope that those grades will land us a good program and that good program will land us a, a steady job. And out of that steady job, we hope that we can maybe one day own a house or maybe one day settle down. And some of us hope to get married and some of us hope to have kids one day. And if we have kids, we hope that they turn out right, whatever that means. And we kind of hope our way to retirement and hope that life will end up kind of happily ever after. But then in those moments when it doesn't, it seems like as a society, we hope even more, don't we? When we get that scary diagnosis, then we really hope that we're gonna be okay. When there's an economic downturn, we really hope that things will bounce back. If we have kids and our kids are struggling, we really hope that they'll be able to turn things around, or if we find ourselves in a estranged relationship, we really hope that one day that could be restored. Seems that the tougher life gets, the more we cling to this thing called hope. But what if I told you that what we often refer to as hope isn't actually real hope, and that there is a way for us to not only experience real hope, personally, but to share that real hope liberally with each other in a way that the Bible describes as a love that always hopes. After learning the last two weeks in this Love Always series, how to love in a way that always protects, and then last week learning how to love in a way that always trusts, today we're going to discover what it takes in us personally and together as a family to love in a way that always hopes. To start things off though, we've got to understand the difference between hope and what I would call the more common version of the, the, the word hope, what is in reality more like wishful thinking, or maybe at a more technical level, what we refer to as optimism. See, optimism is the belief that tomorrow will be better than today. And most of the time when we refer to hope, we're, what we're referring to is actually optimism. And there's a huge difference between optimism and hope. In 1965, for the uh, following eight years to 1973, Admiral Jim Stockdale was the highest ranking U.S. military officer captured in the Hanoi Hilton prisoner of war camp during the height of the Vietnam War. In those eight years, He'd been tortured over 20 times with no real guardrails on how he was supposed to be treated and no official release date in sight. 
Well, Admiral Stockdale did one day get released, and years later, in uh, kind of commenting on his experience, he was asked the question, who didn't make it out? Who didn't survive that POW camp? And his, his answer was surprising. He said, oh, that's easy. He said, the optimists. The optimists didn't make it out. And as he explained, he said, the optimists were the one in the POW camp who said, don't worry, guys, we'll all be out by Christmas. And then Christmas came and Christmas went and they weren't released. And then they'd say, it's okay, guys, this will all be over by Easter. And then Easter came and Easter went. And the same thing was true with Thanksgiving. And then the following year's Christmas. And eventually, Admiral Stockdale said, the optimists died of a broken heart. For those of us who've been approaching the pandemic that way, assuming we would hit the finish line, you know, at the end of that wave or once a certain population had so many doses of the vaccine, I know I have, we need to appreciate that that optimism is very different than what hope looks like. And Admiral Stockdale demonstrated that in his kind of unique approach that's been referred to now as the Stockdale paradox. He said that when he was in that POW camp, he instead stoically faced the grim reality in front of him and never expected things to change. He faced it head on, kind of stared at those brutal facts. But at the same time, he said he never lost faith in the finish line. He never lost faith, Stockdale says, in how the story would end. And he believed with all his heart that one day, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not at Christmas, maybe not at Easter, but one day he would be released. And upon his release, this experience in the POW camp would be the defining moment in his life. And he was right. And because he believed in the finish line, because he kept his eyes focused on the way the story ended, he was able to survive that POW camp with no rules, no rights, and no release date. That's the difference between optimism and hope. Optimism at a technical level is believing that tomorrow will be better. Hope is having confidence in the way the story ends, regardless of our today and regardless of whether it changes tomorrow. Optimism believes that tomorrow will be better. Hope has confidence in the way the story ends. And I would say for people aspiring to live lives of faith in Jesus Christ, that is what makes the message of Jesus such game-changingly good news. Because the message of Jesus at the end of the day isn't rooted in you know, a life of participating in a program, which we often say. The message of Jesus is ultimately rooted in a person, in the sinless life and sacrificial death of Jesus that makes it possible for people, no matter who we are or what we've done, to enter into a free and forgiven relationship with the God who made us and dearly loves us. But it doesn't stop there because the message of Jesus isn't just about a person, it's about an event. Not just the death, but the resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus conquered sin and death once for all and in that victorious move is alive today by his spirit and is available to indwell the lives of forgiven believers to empower us to live God's way. It's about a person and an event. And because the message of Jesus is about a person and an event, there is a finish line that we get to look forward to. There is a way that this story ends. Jesus actually gave a vision 
of the end of the story to one of his original followers named John that John recorded uh, in what is now the book of Revelation, the very last book in the Bible. And in Revelation chapter 21, that vision is described this way, beginning in verse 1. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And at that time, John says, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Because of the person of Jesus and because of the event of his resurrection, followers of Jesus can look forward to that finish line. That's the way the story ends with the eventual return of Jesus to earth to set up what he describes as his new creation, his new heaven and his new earth when everything will be restored. That's where Christian hope comes from, a confidence in that finish line, a confidence in the way that story ends. Christian hope is not optimism. Christian hope is not the belief that your circumstances will improve. Christian hope is a confidence in the way the story ends. And that, friends, is why Christianity requires faith. If you think about it, it doesn't require a whole lot of faith to believe in the existence of Jesus. Jesus was the most popular and famous human being ever to walk this earth in you know, over thousands of years. Does it require a lot of faith to believe that he existed? It also doesn't require a lot of faith to aspire to want to live like him. One of the greatest moral teachers and one of the best examples of integrity and compassion who ever lived. The faith required to follow Jesus primarily rests in the belief in that finish line, in the belief that the risen Jesus will, as he promised, one day return. That's the way faith is described in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And at the end of the day, that's where Christian hope comes from. It comes from a faith that is confident enough to believe that Jesus' promised return is faithful and that we can put our trust in that finish line. We can put our confidence in that end game, that end to the story, and in that confidence in the way the story ends, we have hope. Appreciate that that's a very different perspective to live with than hoping in that optimistic way that Jesus will change our circumstances tomorrow and appreciate that in his love for us, often Jesus will answer our prayers or change our circumstances or change our trajectory or flip, as we talked about at Christmas, flip our world upside down. But the apostle Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. 
He's referring to hope there in kind of the small age hope, more like optimism, saying that if we're only following Jesus for what he can do for us in this life and the way that he can change our circumstances in this life, almost like a spiritual vending machine, then we haven't actually experienced the true living, vibrant, and eternal hope that Jesus' promised return provides faith-filled followers of Jesus. And the way that we experience that day to day, no matter what circumstances come our way, is through what the Bible calls that deposit of that finish line in Jesus' living spirit called the Holy Spirit that wants to indwell our lives moment by moment, day by day. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 15. It says there, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The life of the risen Jesus in a faithful follower of his is actually what the Bible refers to as a foretaste of that future glory. And the presence of Jesus within us by his spirit gives us a palpable sense, gives us that tangible assurance of the reality that that promised return will actually happen. And so the more we can live in reliance on and in the experience of the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, and the more we can allow as the verse says, the, 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 the presence of God by his spirit to overflow in our lives, the more we can live lives overflowing with hope. And the more we can live that way in relation with each other is the way that we love each other in a way that always hopes. If we're going to be people and a community together that love one another and others in a way that always hopes, we're going to rely on a constant overflow of the living, risen spirit of Jesus within us, who is that deposit, who provides that assurance so that we can put our confidence in the way that the story ends. Not by giving each other Christian optimism, but by liberally sharing the overflow of the spirit of God within us. That's what it means to love in a way that always hopes. So if we're going to do that at a practical level, there are a few things that I think we can commit to today. The first is to actually root ourselves in a way of life that focuses more on hope than optimism. First things first, to, to look to hope and to share hope with each other, not optimism. You think about how frustrating it can be to receive that Bible verse or that Christian cliche of optimism to try to give us hope for tomorrow when our tomorrow doesn't change. You know, you try to share with someone who's struggling with chronic mental health struggles or with addiction that's never going to go away that, well, if they trust hard enough in Jesus, Jesus will set them free, even though at some level he never does. Where's the hope in that? Try to explain to someone how you've been praying for a miracle and you were confident that God was going to deliver a miracle as they sit in hospice and prepare to say goodbye to a loved one. You know, where, where, where's the hope in that? Where's the hope in the person who finds themselves unemployed or who wrestles with their singleness or with their infertility to say, oh, don't worry, one day Jesus will allow it to be your turn too, even though in many cases it never is. 
We don't provide hope by giving people trite Bible verses of tweets or Christian cliches. We provide people hope by helping anchor them in the finish line and helping anchor them in a confidence with the way that the person of Jesus, risen through his resurrection, ends the story through his promised return. We need to look to hope more than optimism. Similarly, we need to provide more than just words. I would say we need to be hope to people more than we need to say hopeful things to people. What I would say is to live out Jesus' finish line, not just to look to hope, but to live out that finish line of hope in a palpable way. You know, we're still only a month out of celebrating the the good news of Christmas, which is all about Jesus coming to earth, God entering humanity in human form and being among us, being God with us, what we celebrated at Christmas in Jesus as Emmanuel. Well, in the same way God was in Jesus, Jesus intends to be in followers of Jesus by his Holy Spirit so that we can similarly incarnate the presence and ultimately the hope of Christ to other people simply by being with them. So when people do face a difficult diagnosis, we can come alongside and just be a listening ear or be a shoulder to cry on by our presence in a way that brings them hope. When people have business or financial struggles, we can be with them, journey with them, provide support to them in practical ways. When people are struggling in their marriage or parents are struggling with their kids, we can be an ongoing chronic consistent presence in their lives. And by bringing that presence of hope to them and that overflow of the Spirit of God as we keep our eyes on the finish line in the way that the story ends, they can feed off that presence and hope in their lives as well. And the better a presence of Jesus we can be, the easier it is for others to put their hope in him as well. And then on top of that, kind of goes without saying, but I'll say it for completeness. Let's remember that in those moments where people need hope the most, that's where we can step up and lean into hope on their behalf the most. Don't just look to hope and live it out practically, but actually lean in in times of crisis. We want to love each other in a way that love, where love always hopes. Lean in in times of crisis. You think about those times where people struggling with addiction fall off the wagon. It's actually at that moment where they need people to come alongside and to lean in, to demonstrate and to be the hope of Jesus in unconditional love and acceptance and in grace and in second chances. That's actually the moment where people need hope the most. It's at those moments where people's health is failing, where they need people to come alongside and rally around and support them in prayer and in company the most. It's when relationships become more and more estranged that they require more and more initiation to be a presence of restoration and reconciliation and to be hope the most. It's in those moments where we're at our greatest despair that we need people of faith who are overflowing with the presence of God's spirit within them to come alongside and be hope the most. And I would say no more than perhaps in a season like we find ourselves in these days. As we continue almost two years later to navigate this excruciatingly difficult pandemic together. If we can learn to look to hope 
to live it out practically and to lean in in times of crisis. We can actually be the gift of hope to each other, even in or especially in a season like now, because that's why God's given us in each other the gift of each other in the first place. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 10 as a closing encouragement. It says there, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. And as a result, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, as we personally hold unswervingly to that finish line, as we hold unswervingly to the faithfulness of Jesus that what he promised in his eventual return will one day deliver, as we hold unswervingly to the way with confidence, the way that that story ends, we can be hope to one another, keeping our eye on that day approaching. But to do that, the author says, we need to not give up meeting together. We need to leverage this gift we've been given in each other, which is the whole reason God has given us the gift of the church for one another. That's why we've said that these online venues or these Zoom meetings or short-term groups are just an interim option B to get us through this pandemic because at the end of the day, they can't compare to the in-person palpable sense of gathering as large groups or grouping as life groups or the one-on-one -on -one connections through our anchor causes where friendship makes a difference because it's only in those life-on-life -life incarnational ways that we can palpably be a hope to one another. Through a video screen, we can share content, but in person, up close and personal, we can spill over the energy and the hope of the Holy Spirit within us and be hope to each other. So let's keep our eye on that finish line. Let's look to hope. Let's palpably bring a presence to one another and live it out practically and personally. And especially let's lean in in times of crisis. Look to hope live it out and lean in. And especially as we come out of these restrictions in this phase of the pandemic, let's try to connect in up close and personal ways as much as possible to be that spillover of that deposit that Jesus has given us to be hope to one another. That's how you and I and us together can be people, even as we face the dark realities of the circumstances of our lives. That's how we can be the kind of people where our love always hopes. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for uh, who you are and for the event, not just of your death, but of your supernatural resurrection that creates a finish line that we can believe in. And I pray that across our locations, every single one of us would put our full trust and our confidence in the way your story ends. As we do, I pray that we would receive again in this moment the gift of your Holy Spirit and your palpable presence and your assurance in that one day that is approaching. And out of that confidence and out of the assurance that your spirit provides, I pray that we can take steps to liberally share that with those around us. 
Help us to share that with our community. Help us to share that with our friend, family and friends. Help us to share that with our life group, to share that with those uh, in need and on the margins. And as we liberally share that with one another, especially in situations where we desperately need it, I pray that hope will arise among us because of the way that you're living in us and the opportunity that we have to let you spill over in each other. I pray that we would look to hope. I pray that we would live it out. And I pray that we would lean in, especially in those times of crisis, to be the kind of people personally and together as a church family where love always hopes. Make us those people in the power of your spirit, Jesus, we pray. Amen.